and gentlemen, welcome to Zebra Talk, the podcast where we shine a little light into the lives and the untold stories of the people who slide on their knees and count the threes. That's right, I'm talking about the referees, and today I'm joined by uh, the infamous, the hilarious, one of my favorite people in the wrestling world, the head, lead, and only official for Kaiju Big Battle, uh, Mark Dundee. How you doing today, Mark? I'm good. I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Hopefully, you know, we don't screw this one up. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and throw myself under the bus. Uh, I've tried to get this recording with Mark Dundee done. I think this is our fourth time trying to do this. And uh, I'm just I'm, I'm just being a consummate professional here. I'm real happy. So, you know, hopefully uh, things go well. Hopefully Mark gets to finally tell his story because we all know how much he's itching to tell his story and how much you're all itching to hear it. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> At least it won't be as bad as the last time that I interviewed you on a holiday, right? Yeah, no, no fire alarms tonight. No burnt Easter dinner for you, for anyone today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourselves there, Mark. Uh, where do you come from? How did you become involved in wrestling? You know, give us a little origin story on Mark Dundee. Um, I was born April 30th, 1984. I'm a Taurus. You want everything from 84 to 2020, right? Yes, like, please. Okay. I want every day that you can possibly gotcha. remember. Gotcha. Um, so... I got I got to start watching wrestling, and I think the same way that everyone did. Um, my mother used to record cartoons on VHS tapes, and I don't know if it was just you know in New York in the New York market, but at the end of Saturday morning cartoons would be when wrestling would start. Mm. Um, so the end of this video, it was an open from. Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon doing some kind of talk. And then five minutes into that whole talk of like, welcome to wrestling challenge, blah, 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 blah. It cuts to snow. Okay. Video ended. So that was my You're first. Like, yeah. Like I'm a little kid, like six years old watching this VHS tape. You know, like my mom made me a tape to watch cartoons. Awesome. Greatest day ever. Well, yeah. Um, flash forward to the promos before WrestleMania six. Um, so again, I was, I was turning six. So I guess I, guess I was like five or six. Um, pause you real quick before you move on. You started this story with, I started watching wrestling the same way everybody else did. Yeah. I've never heard anybody say I started watching wrestling because it was at the tail end of a recorded VHS that my mom made of cartoons for well, me. No one's ever, you haven't asked, you haven't talked to enough people then. <laughs> That's a very specific way to find wrestling. I mean, that's how I got introduced to Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. So I... Very cool. Very cool. So WrestleMania um, 6, the promo. So WrestleMania 6, you know, Warrior doing, ah, being, being who Warrior <laughs> was and is, you know. And that captivated me. Um, and then I just remember Hogan and Warrior doing, like, like go to Warrior promo, go to Hogan promo. Mm -hmm. And that's that memory. Sure. And then WrestleMania seven time, Slaughter Hogan. That's when I started watching matches and matches became visually stimulating to me. And I started to see them and like, ooh, this is, I can watch this all the time. Sure, yeah. Um, now, my babysitter would come that. over and put it on and that was it. Is this when Slaughter does the like turn on the US and he's like working with Iron Sheik and all? Yes, yes. He, the, okay. the turn was full effect. Um, they were going into WrestleMania seven. You know, the Hard Foundation and the Nasty Boys were fighting and Nightheart doing this the whole time for a promo. 
<laughs> what a great time in wrestling. I mean, like, you know, I think people really overlook it because like, obviously it's not exactly very PC these days, but like no. the storylines that they made and like mm -hmm. the reactions that the audience had to like slaughter, like turning his back on America oh, yeah. and all that, like that was really compelling television for the oh, time. Yeah. The, uh, the downside of that time period before I move on to the next, it, I wish I had more time to truly enjoy demolition. Sure. Because this was like smash and crush. Mm. Like I saw Axe and Smash on like, you know, later on as I became more of a fan. Um, Axe had like gone on his way and yeah. smash and yeah. crush and, you know, the whole Hawaiian thing and all that. But don't get me wrong, Repo Man is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Very cool. It, he <laughs> hit it out of the park on that one. Um, so then, yeah, I um, I was, I was um, years go by. Always watch it. Always go to shows when I always go when I can. I go to shows when I could. Um, I, that wasn't a big thing of going. I always watched it on TV. But then I realized um, I had to start student teaching. Like I guess go forward 20, 20 years or something. <laughs> um, I was starting to student teach, and I suffer from panic and anxiety overdrive. And it's it's, it's a horrifying. You know, it's one of those I can't get out of bed type issues that I deal with and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to be in front of a group of kids and talk when I can barely do it. Sure. I had a friend who was running a wrestling school, Brian Idol, and he had this on Long, uh, on Long Island. Um, he had his own little wrestling Academy and I just said, here, take my money to help me get confidence. Let's, let's see this happen. And sure enough, Three months in, then I want, this is, I guess, 2012, 2013, mm. um, March of 2013, I think it was. I'm on my first show and I have to not be afraid or suck because my first match was with Just Incredible, which, which yeah. it was yeah. definitely, definitely a little bit past his prime at that point, but still one of those, like, I can learn from this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I ask the right questions later on. And then my next match was with Brian Idol. He was doing one of his characters. He went in there, and his opponent was Goldust. Talk about a great first show. Jeez. I had no business doing those matches, I mean, honestly. Um, I didn't pay to get to do those matches. I, I feel like I actually earned it mm -hmm. just from, like, working hard, like, going to going like the practices every week, twice a week. And, like, I've seen people get – you know, we've all seen people get those positions. Um yeah. I don't feel I deserved it, but I do feel like I worked to get it, you know. Okay. Um, and then as those as those first three or four years go on, I'm working with FTW, other companies around New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Um, I have a stint with House of Glory for a little while, which I really think helped cut my teeth because that was another position where I was the only ref for a while. Sure. Um, and then, you know, things, you move on, no hard feelings at all. I loved it. Um, I still hope all those guys do great. Um, but it was time for me to go. And then I found Kaiju big battle in July of 15. And that's when I feel like my career really took off sure. at that point. Tell me a little bit about like how you actually became affiliated with Kaiju. Like I've heard this story uh, a little bit, but like, tell us in, uh, how you accidentally found yourself working for them. Um, so we would do there was there was like um, I guess a, a double show. It was FTW and House of Glory um, for the first half of the show. Second half was Kaiju Big Battle. Um, this was when Kaiju Big Battle was going through a transition. A lot of people were leaving. People were just there was 
it was just a transition period. Um, and anyone who wanted to be part of it, they were letting him do it. Um, I walked up to the guy, Randy, who's the, who runs the, who runs the ship. And I asked, hey, can I be a ref? And in my head, and I still, I had a conversation with him about it later. My height definitely was a detriment to him. Sure. Um, you know, being six foot five and a referee for some reason is just as crazy as being six foot two as a wrestler. Um, you know, you're too small, too big. It's just, it's wrestling. Just, if they have what it takes to do something, to yeah. it, use it. Um, so, yeah, I did it. So I did my one match. And then I left. If you need me again, he shrugged me off. Then, um, I guess in September, I got to do it again. And this time I was the only referee. And he grew a more liking to me. Then that led to one more show in October where I was the only ref. And I was only one of five other people who can do things in the ring in front of 15 people. We call it the show we do not speak of. <laughs> I think we've all had those experiences where, you know, we, uh, we've gone a whole lot of miles and set ourselves up for a whole lot of, like, expectations. And then just for whatever reason, nobody showed up. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't even know. We think that there was an internet connection with the ticket sales. And it, it was crazy. But after that night, like, that's when I became a full-fledged member. Um, I mean, I didn't get my crew hoodie for another two years, but <laughs> that's a different story. Tell me but, uh, about, like, how that night went. Like, what, a, what do you think it was that really, like, solidified your place at Kaiju through that experience? Um, I knew, even though we only had 15 people, um, or whatever the number is, um, they were there. And we're not going to give them a less of a show that they would have gotten had there been 500 people. Of course. So matches would end, but the matches really wouldn't end. It, well, some of them wound up being a best of six falls, maybe. <laughs> because, again, people paid their hard-earned money. Like, I yeah, had no vet. My interest... Might as well give them what they came for, yeah. I mean, even if there's only... Like, they have to just get over it. They're, you know, envelopes go places. So you're there. Do your do it. So yeah. I had to restart matches that some, or I had to just do my best to give them what they paid for. Um, unfortunately, the show did end on a, when it ended, um, we made it up to the fans that were there. Of course, we did whatever, whatever we could, whenever we could have. Um, but as after that night that I was brought on full, like, I mean, Hey, where are you guys going next? We're going to Boston in two weeks. I'm like, Can I go? Definitely. You're there. Awesome. Then it just, it just started taking off and, I started having real fun in wrestling. Were you the only uh, referee from like the get go? Like, were you the only person that was there, like in Boston? And then for the duration, of <laughs> no. Funny story. They had a Boston referee, another person who's been, been with Kaiju for a while. She did a lot of other stuff. Randy never told anyone I was going up to Boston. <laughs> oh. Lovely. So when I showed up, they knew who I was, but like, why are you here? I'm like, oh, I was told to to come. I yeah, mean, you know, so things happened. They wanted to do some weird thing where I was like training. I'm like, I don't like that at all. <laughs> so they, so they, they gave the idea to Randy, and like he's a real referee. Why, why would he be training for anything? Yeah. So then we just did a normal. You take one, I take one. You take one, I take one. Sure. And then I guess I won because I'm ultimately now the only one. So you. you are, you're the Highlander of Kaiju Big Battle. They're yeah. The only one. <laughs> It, 
I'm I the survivor. Myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Beyonce. I'm the survivor. There you go. Uh, I had a similar experience. I was booked on a show in uh, in Vegas, like uh, maybe a year or so ago, and um, I was booked by the like figurehead that's name was on the show, but there was also a promoter who was helping with the show that okay. like, they didn't talk to each other about the fact that I was coming, and I didn't know that the other guy was involved at all. So, huh, huh. you know, I show up, and the guy looks at me, and it's just like, "Why are you here?" I'm like, please don't send me home. I just came 10 hours. <laughs> it's all had often that happens in wrestling. You know, there's just so much like miscommunication and like so many variables and so many people, you know, like so many wheels spinning and things like it's that. It's frustrating. It really is. Uh, so for the people who are listening that have never seen Kaiju before, why don't you give them a little, uh, you know, crash course in what Kaiju is all about? Um, Kaiju Big Battles, a 25-year epic of combination between comic books, pop culture, Godzilla movies, um, the Power Rangers, anything. I, I, I know people get offended by the term nerd culture. I think they do. I love um, nerd culture. Come on now. Is that real? Is nerd culture a real thing? I mean, I... Like, MC I Chris is a nerdcore rapper, I remember hearing. Well, um. So and like any like, just fringy but not too fringy. Fringy but not cringy. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Um a lot of inside jokes um done inside of a wrestling ring with a with a city and giant monsters beating the hell out of each other. Uh, for those of you who have never seen it, you really got to like Google this, YouTube it, whatever you got to do to like really just be able to appreciate the hilarity and the scope of what's going on. Like these giant monsters in a wrestling ring tearing apart a city dr cubes running around doing nefarious awful things and our resident straight man over here in stripes is just doing his best to keep things under control i guess Not get killed yeah right uh you were telling me a little bit briefly about how like you have a more interactive relationship with the audience than most referees would tell us a little bit about that yeah um Part of my gig is, um, again, a lot of fan. I like, I like to do a lot of fan interaction um, before the show, during the show, intermission and after, just pictures. And like, I a lot of times before the show, I'll take out my phone and I'll Facebook Live the crowd, you know, pan the crowd and get them, get them ready to get pumped. Um, love intermission, I do the uh, Dundee's dance party. <laughs> YouTube that. The DJ plays a random song that most of the time I don't know what's going to happen. Sure. And the last time, February 1st, actually, of last year, our last show, it wound up being Come on Eileen. There you go. And the side that got the loudest, because, you know, the whole audience only knew one part of that song. Come on, Eileen. The winning side was supposed to get um a giant bag of gummy bears. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I flipped the script on that one. Every time they got loud, I just started throwing gummy bears. <laughs> but, chuck them at them. Just yeah, them. Pretty much. Yeah, be <laughs> quiet. We're trying to get our sound right. <laughs> um, no, but like, again, we have a, because of the structure of our show, I, I know everything where things are going to be happening because being, I help write it. What? What? We have some jokes that, 
when they hit and they hear the audience laugh, and I know it's the one that I wrote. <laughs> There's nothing like it, right? It's the best feeling, man. That instant gratification. If you haven't had that, anyone, not just Odie, anyone, if you haven't had that, the second you get there, you'll be like that. Okay, that that's that. I get it now. Have you ever done stand up? No, too afraid. Huh? Too afraid? Yeah, I feel that. I don't want to say afraid. Actually, um, let's say too not angry. my medium. Yeah, yeah. Too um, it's structured, but it's too. I don't know the word. I don't know how I'd handle a heckler. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Like in a wrestling ring, I can handle a heckler. Um, at a stand-up comedy show, no. I, I would stutter over myself and want to quit and then probably throw water on my pants. Oh, I got to go. <laughs> Sorry, um, guys. Bye. <laughs> I peed myself. It's <laughs> I did uh, stand-up comedy for about three months before um, I started pro wrestling. And, okay. the, you know, wrestling training is very immersive and takes up all of your time. So, like, yeah. I just kind of told myself I would come back to it eventually. But, um, yeah, I... I had interesting experiences when, you know, the audience didn't really enjoy what I was saying. I remember specifically, I did a, a set in front of a crowd in San Francisco that like wasn't really feeling my jokes. And I've been to enough open mic nights where people just kind of like painfully struggle through their set and nobody in the audience is feeling mm -hmm. it. And everybody's just uncomfortable for like five, 10 minutes that uh, I, I'm not really about letting an elephant be in the room I don't yeah. like that. Uh, I like being like, hey, look, there's an elephant. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, so like they were really uncomfortable and they didn't like my jokes. So I was just kind of like, <laughs> hey, you guys don't like my set. And that's OK. Like there are other crowds that do like my set. But like I don't want to kill the energy in the room for the other people that are coming after me. And I don't want you guys to have a bad time tonight. So I'm just going to go. And they all just were looking at me like, what? I'm like, yeah. Like, why am I going to like force you to sit through a set that you don't enjoy? You don't want to Andy Kaufman it up? No way. I was just like, I don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. I'm out of here. Have a good <laughs> night. There's other comedians that you're going to enjoy. Let them have the time. <laughs> In my head, I wish that, I, again, I wish I could have both what you just said you would do. Like, you don't like it? Okay, I'm going to leave. And then on the other hand, I wish I had the balls of Andy Kaufman. Can I say that? <laughs> it's okay. Keep going. <laughs> balls is okay. Yeah, the, the Andy Kaufman to really yeah. just like ham it up and just make him really just like as uncomfortable as possible. As possible. <laughs> I wish I had that kind of goal. Um, I mean, he was but so I'd wind up breaking myself, so I couldn't really, after a while. I feel. Andy Kaufman, man, like so ahead of his time with like awkward humor and like uncomfortable, cringy, oh, yeah. like office type humor, you know, like 40 years early, 30 years early, something like that. It's crazy to see like how the American audience has like adjusted to that style now that they've like kind of finally caught up with it, you know? His, and his character work was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Tony Clifton, I mean, if, if I ever seen as a Tony Clifton. a different person. Sorry, no, because he was able to work with Tony Clifton, but not very well. <laughs> um, they didn't like each other. Tony Clifton is the worst human being on the face of the earth. That's all I'm saying. All right? That's your opinion. He's a terrible person. <laughs> I've also heard the same about, about, about Andy. Yeah, true. Uh, tell me a little bit about like what things were like pre-COVID with Kaiju. Obviously, you're in full swing. You mentioned briefly like you're a writer. Um, what other kind of hats do you wear uh, associated with the company? Like, 
Um, besides just referee, um, yeah, travel companion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, as far as booking things, that was never me. Um, sure. I don't like again. I don't like dealing with people, especially especially certain people who want to say, "Oh, I'm going to book this show. We're going to have this many." Okay, go talk to someone else. I don't want anything to do with your money. Sure. Um, so but no, I was uh, definitely writer. Um, I was a. Uh, <laughs> Truck driver for our, for our U-Hauls or whatever we had to use sometimes. Um, Ring crew leader, I'm sure. Yeah, no, because we 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 you know we we we'd hire the we'd hire the ring, and it came with people to put it together. Oh man, lucky you! You did wrestling the right way, brother. <laughs> we weren't wrestling; we're performance art. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, but I did definitely did my fair share of the ring crew before Kaiju Big Battle. Um, yeah, of course. And if you know, if we ever need if they need a couple of extra hands, of course I'll pick up a board or some metal things like that. Absolutely. Um, do you no, still we, do? Do you still do any like uh, referee work outside of Kaiju? Do you do any like you know straight man refereeing? Or I anything? took myself out of that after um, after a pretty terrible night. Um, wasn't my best outing. Lost confidence, but. No, I didn't want to say I lost confidence. I just I was I was I was done. You lost your smile. Yeah, I mean I definitely. I mean this is like a one-off HBK lost smile. Never found it again. Yeah, I mean you did but, find it again though. You found it in Kaiju. Well, I never lost it there. Sure. Um, because the appreciation overall was there. Um, again, I enjoy if 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 the if the company's open up again and I feel like reaching out, I I feel like I have a couple of ends where I can go, but. I really enjoy doing what I'm doing with this. Um, I, it came to a point where I'm looking and people who were taking themselves too seriously mm. made it not fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I get it. People want to get higher and higher and higher. And like I said at the at the Q&A thing, it's, you have to measure your success for where you want it to be. Yeah. Like, we're not all going to make it to that TV nationwide audience. I found my success and I'm still living with it. Um, and I'm not, I don't want anyone everything. Oh, he doesn't think that we're doing this for, I know what you're trying to do, but give it, put it into some perspective. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You may feel like people don't necessarily understand where you're coming from, or you may feel like, you know, people think that you're like kind of trying to like diminish their dreams or whatever, but like, I'm one of those people who's chasing after a contract as yeah. you know. and like, uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, in Zebra Talk at the onset of COVID, uh, I organized 51-hour sessions uh, between different referees from all around the world where they would do a Q&A, a live Q&A uh, in Zebra Talk, where they would just kind of introduce themselves and let everybody know who they are and what they're about. Um, the point that I'm getting at is that uh, each one of the people left kind of like a little quote or a little like nugget of like, you know, uh, advice, information, things like that. And Mark over here is talking about how he had expressed that just because we're not all going to be able to be in WrestleMania someday, it doesn't mean that we can't find some measure of success that we're satisfied with ourselves. Uh, and I would say out of all of the uh, pieces of advice or information or whatever that we heard through that, I think that one stuck with me more than any other one. So like, you know, kudos to you for that and for having that much like uh, insight and wisdom and like, you know, expressing that to us, because I think that that 
is something really important for us to hear because like the reality is you're right you know there are only let's say like 40 maybe 50 jobs uh for contracted television pro wrestling referees like in the world you know and like not everybody's going to be able to get to that there's literally thousands of us uh so it is very important to not necessarily like hold back your dreams or anything like that you know shoot as far as you can but also be realistic and be happy with the things that you achieve along the way and you know find some success that will satisfy you you have to be blind to not see that your your daily hustle Odie. you know Every time there's a show popping up, you happen to be either near the poster or on the god or, or, or on the poster at this point. I mean, I haven't been on a poster yet, but like, well, no, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen your collective. Like, you, Odie is going to Japan. You know, okay, like, okay, so I, I, like I one. <laughs> I've seen at least two and a half. <laughs> you know what's oh, funny about? Go ahead. And you, like, like you're like you're you're out there grinding and you're making it out there, like, and. You're and you're following that dream, and if you hit that if you hit that that mark where you get that contract, and I start seeing you on TV, if you enjoyed your time there and it works out for you there, there's your success, man, right? Sure, but it's also important for me as well as the other people that are listening to take what you're saying to heart. You know, like I have in a very brief time, way faster than I ever should have honestly been able to achieve, been able to be very graciously invited and allowed to participate in some things that I should be happy with and I should be satisfied with. Like the fact that uh, an American referee is refereeing in Cork and Hall, like that's, that's enough. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a, there's a ref in Omaha, Nebraska that like is never going to leave there that, you know, is like dreaming of those things. So it's maybe not necessarily like unfair of us to like shoot for bigger goals or anything like that. But like, it's, um, it's important to be self-aware, Yeah, you know, and you find satisfaction in the things that you've done. And, I just want to just bounce off that one last thing about what you just said about the, the kid in Omaha, Nebraska, for, for example. Sure. It might not be for a lack of trying. Yeah. I mean, the world we live in now, things, nothing's, nothing's close to being it, but like, it might just not be in that card or in that, that hand that, he, that, that they have. I think a big part of, I know for a fact, my success, and I'm sure to an extent your own success uh, a big contributing factor was just geographic location. You know, like <laughs> you, you fell into Kaiju because it was around a show that you were already doing. Mm-hmm. I fell into the majority of the things that I was doing because they were close, you know, like championship wrestling from Hollywood. I'll sing its praises uh, from now until the sun goes down, uh, you know, as like the integral moment that like launched all of my career and it just happened that i had heard about it and that they were doing a local san francisco show because they were going to be on a san francisco television uh station i was just oh well i've heard they have a tv show i'll go try and be affiliated with them (laughs) and then the doors just open to the rest of the wrestling world like takes one just takes one shot absolutely um so Reeling it back in. That was a good tangent. I like that. <laughs> um, 
What kind of match styles do you have at Kaiju that like you really enjoy? Obviously, I'm sure you guys do a little bit of the like one-on-ones and the tags and stuff like that, but what's some of the stuff that maybe people haven't necessarily heard of? Mexican cockfight. That's one I haven't heard of. It was with uh, Tad Bradley, the surfing bird, on the Hawaiian paddler. Um, there you go. Giant rooster. And uh, Tukor, part hamster, uh, sorry, part gerbil and part toucan. And they had a fight. <laughs> um, the cervezas were endless. Now, is that your particular favorite kind of kaiju match? Or no, I was actually a big fan of the scene of, from the Italian restaurant match. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I think I've said this story plenty of times before. It was um, the Bodega Boys, which was uh, Silver Potato and Soup against, um, I forgot who they were going against. One of them was Hell Monkey. And um, scenes from an Italian restaurant from Billy Joel just out of nowhere, out of nowhere, allegedly, just played over the over the speakers. And these um, Salbinos just built a pizza place and a pizza table with a nice Italian dinner. And then someone got bodega, uh, the three B through the table. Mm-hmm. And that's how the match ended. Um, that was my favorite match. Absolutely. Fantastic. You know, everyone knows these scenes from the Italian restaurant match. Um, Just like how I got into wrestling by the last five seconds of a VHS tape. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just like all the matches. I, I really don't have a favorite kind. Um, in, in kaiju and in out and in straight man wrestling, um, straight yeah, that makes sense, right? Traditional wrestling. Traditional wrestling, <laughs> yeah, where I can where I have to be that that form. Um, I, I I stay away from deathmatch wrestling. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against it personally. Yeah, but it's not. Let someone else have it. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind I of say pass way. more than I say take. I I like to uh, I like to watch deathmatch, uh, but from like twenty feet away. Yeah, I did one deathmatch show, and the first match, the guy breaks his ankle, and it wasn't even a deathmatch spot. It was a driver, and it was just one of those oh, freak accidents. And the guy's like, my ankle's broken. What? Look at my ankle. Okay. Oh, my God, it's broken. <laughs> That's what I just said. Oh, my God, it's broken. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> The worst part about it was the thumbtacks were on the other side, so it wasn't even like a deathmatch-esque oh, injury. <laughs> felt so bad. Felt so bad about that. It I, wasn't my fault, but I felt so bad for him. I mean, we feel a little bit of, like, responsibility and, like, you know, uh, like, we're the first line of medical defense for these yeah. guys. So, you know, like, personally, like, whenever somebody gets injured in one of my matches, like, I know I had absolutely nothing to do with it, but like I remember every single injury that's ever happened out of all the matches that I've done. I checked up on every one of those wrestlers for weeks afterwards, probably annoyingly so, but just because like I feel like a dad when I'm in the ring, you know, feel like or like a a best friend or something like that, just like a a buddy that's there to make sure that like my buddies aren't going to kill each other. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they do. And then I'm just worried about them for weeks <laughs> afterwards, you know? You ever pull a rib on someone that was in the ring with someone who got hurt? What's that? You ever pull You ever pull a rib on a referee who was in the match when a guy got hurt? No, tell me. Oh, about my that. God, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, again, I don't want to name names. I don't know who watches or does anything because I'm, I'm not a big name dropper. Gold dust. Um, Gold dust. <laughs> um, but, um. 
we were hearing a story of how this referee that me and another guy were, were like, we're hearing this story from him. We were doing some Lucha show in Brooklyn, I think. And he's saying like, yeah, I was in, I was a part of that match. I'm like, did you send him a card? Like, what are you talking about? You, you didn't, you didn't send him a card. No. Why? Because if you're in the match, it doesn't matter if it's your fault or not. If you're in a match and someone gets hurt, you have to send a card to the hospital <laughs> to make sure that he's okay. <laughs> and if it's like a really, if it's like a, like, could be a career ender, you have to send a gift. You have like to something send over 20 bucks. It's like a but, tradition. It's wrestling yeah, tradition. <laughs> this guy's trying to make money, but he's losing it now. And you, you got it. You have to send him a card. It's like, and his face sunk. Like, oh, man. What? It's a great rib, but like honestly, there are so many of those things in pro wrestling that like you wouldn't know about until yeah, you're told right. about them. Like uh, I didn't know for the first year about the uh, the worker shake, <sighs> brother. So like I come from a corporate like uh, background, you know. Like I I have done a lot of interviews and stuff like that, and like it was really drilled into my head. My dad was in the military that like when you shake somebody's hand, you Fine. shake their hand. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Uh, you know, give them, the, give them not necessarily the business, but like, <laughs> so, uh, for the first year that I was in wrestling, I thought everybody just didn't like me. <laughs> I just thought they were all fading me and that they were all mad at me or something. I was just like, why does everybody hate me? <laughs> and then finally, like legit, like a year in my trainers, uh, just kind of like, were talking about it casually while I was around. And it clicked in my brain finally. And I went, whoa, 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 wait, hold on a minute. <laughs> That's a thing? <laughs> and I just remembered like every time somebody had like given me that handshake and I thought that they were like being a jerk about it. And I was just like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh, wow. Like I had a, 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 a student that I was like training with that gave me a handshake at one point and, um, he had, you know, given me the worker shake the whole time because he was just trying to show me some respect. Uh, and I thought that he just hated me. So it finally got to a point where I was just like, he gave me another one and I grabbed him on the back of the hand and I squeezed and I went, this is how we shake hands, brother. I respect you, okay? <laughs> and that's the first thing I thought of when they told me that. I was just like, I'm dumb. I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. <laughs> I hate that worker's handshake. Same, same. But anyway, uh, yeah, fun wrestling traditions that lead to a lot of um, anxiety. <laughs> it's funny, like I've been telling my girlfriend all these like stories about how, you know, like uh, the intricacies of like um, hierarchies of wrestling and how people talk to each other and treat each other and think and things like that. And uh, when we first started dating, she was really interested in like becoming a wrestler. And now she's like, I don't know. <laughs> Don't do it. Get out while you can. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, what's the most recent match that you've repped? What's uh, what? What did you do uh, pre-COVID? I'm sure you haven't done anything since we went into lockdown. You're in New York, you know. It's February first like, was my last show. What was the last show on that card, or the last match on that card? Tell I want to say American Beetle and Doctor Cube. Hmm. If, I, if I'm remembering correctly, you know, it's like the rivalry to end all rivalries, right? Yeah, like tell exactly. the audience, you know, that hasn't ha uh, been able to enjoy Kaiju about American Beetle and Dr. Q. Uh, American Beetle. I'll start off with American Beetle. He is the, the true Patriot. Patriot. Um, 
Um, he loves his Mexican roots, so all he does is speak in Spanish. Nice. Um, now, very is this real Spanish, or is this El Generico Spanish? Real Spanish. Okay, okay. <laughs> Come on. You were at the show two years ago in New York. <laughs> I have a very good... Actually, I'll tell you a story about that here in a minute, but go ahead and keep going about Dr. Cube. Um, Dr. Cube is the brilliant, brilliant genius creator of 10,000 city-crushing monsters made of pure evil. He is the he is the conclusion of a failed Nazi experiment. Wow. Um, but he's not a Nazi. No. 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 Um, he's just pure evil. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, and they had a hell of a match that goes everywhere, and I don't remember who wins this one. Watch it on YouTube, though. It's there. Does it really matter who wins this one? The rivalry continues. Of course it matters. We have we we use we use records in, in our company. <laughs> you have a really strict win loss record. Yeah, it's like fifteen thousand and <laughs> uh, like fifteen thousand six hundred and eight losses. And then American Beetle has, I think, seven wins and four hundred and sixty two thousand losses. American Beetle has a lot of unsanctioned matches. So I'm assuming you enjoyed that one. I'm sure it was a, a knockdown drag out that destroyed cities and uh, ended people's lives and changed yeah. people forever to their core. I lost a lot of Facebook friends after that. <laughs> uh, the the thing I was bringing up about, uh, you know, you had mentioned that I was at the show uh, two years in, ago in New York. At? Um, at on? Um <laughs> I wasn't on the show, actually. I showed Allegedly. up at the end because I was a terrible person and got my. And you're not on. a monster, so only I'm monsters would show up on that. And I'm not you, so I can't referee the show. I mean, uh, what I'm getting at though is I have a terrible memory, um, especially associated with wrestling, because there's so much stuff that goes on all the time that it's hard to fit it all in there, right? Without like you know photos and videos and stuff like yeah. that. Um, uh, I have a friend here in the Pacific Northwest. His name's Rob Warren. They call him Tall Ref around here. He referees for like Defy and he's done New Japan and stuff like that. Rob Warren? Rob Warren. Very good ref. I think I'm friends with him on Facebook. Probably. I mean, you should be. Zebra Talk, you know, and all that. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking the other night and um, he mentions how he has a pin from the WWN show uh, that went on WrestleMania weekend. And he's like, oh, do you want to like have this? I have a couple of them. Uh, I don't know if you got one of them or not. Um, and my brain goes, Oh, you were there. That's cool. I like totally spaced that you were working on the show with us. Uh, and like, I felt a little cheapish about that, but you know, we were all running around like crazy or whatever. And I didn't really think anything about it. Um, another like half hour into the conversation and my brain actually turns on and I go, Rob, you were our roommate in the Airbnb that we were staying in that whole week. Weren't you? And he's like, yeah, I was. Huh. <laughs> I'm like, Rob, I'm so sorry. Uh, it's been a long time and I haven't really thought a lot about that weekend since it happened because there's so much stuff that's happened since. And he just, like, to his credit, he didn't miss a beat. He's just like, it's okay. It's wrestling. <laughs> it's a travel date. Right? It It's funny how we have those interactions with people and to see how people react to those huh. moments. You know, when you like go up to somebody that you've met like four times, but you're having a brain fart moment, you're just like, hey, I'm Mark Dundee. And they're like, oh, I've met you six times. And you're like. Every time. Sorry. So sorry. Every time. 
Yeah. <laughs> People on the most local of levels, too. This, that, that happens. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about traveling and meeting people and stuff like that. What's the farthest that you've traveled for pro wrestling? I guess California. I guess Long Beach, California. We uh, did you do kaiju in Long Beach? Yeah, we did. We did it for TwitchCon. Very cool. Tell um, me about that. What was that like? It was interesting. I've never been around so many video game people in my life. Was that a um, good experience or a bad experience? Half and half. Sure, sure. Um, the two people that were in charge of getting us in were cool, but the rest, because I guess they were using Amazon money to get all this stuff done, because this is when it just got bought by Amazon. Sure. Um, I was walking. I had I had my gear. I was about. To, I was trying to get into the convention center. They wouldn't let me in. Mm-hmm. And like I'm showing them, this is us. We're this is us right here. Like showing and them the program. On this show. Yeah. So I'm supposed to be somewhere inside. We have to. We have to go call some people. Like, like who do you have to call? <laughs> Look like, at me. I'm on the poster, brother. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to be. Like I go to page like 17 or something. Kaiju big battle. We're. I'm supposed to go upstairs or something. Yeah. The rest. If there's a wrestling ring in there, that's for me. That's my ring, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to make sure no one hurts it. Um, so I eventually, after like 20 minutes in the hot California sun, we get to go in. Um, it was pretty cool. Um, the show was great. People liked it. Um, I got called an alcoholic brother of Keanu Reeves. Um, that's what they said I looked like. I guess my hair looked like it or something. Yeah, I mean, I could uh, see that. You know, you look like uh, if you've ever heard of um, Craig Christ. From uh, the uh, Stephen Lynch. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> You're kind of like <laughs> Keanu Reeves' Craig Cracks. <laughs> the best part about that about that whole weekend at TwitchCon, because I can't really, I'm not allowed to talk about what happened in Los Angeles the next day. Sure. Um, not allowed yet. Um, the okay. statute of limitations hasn't ended. Um, I got to meet Bob Ross's family. Mm. Yeah, that was cool. Um, okay. his, How did that happen? I want... His, Bob Ross's family was running a how to paint seminar in the same right. room where our wrestling was the night the night before. Yeah. So they were there in the building, and I just you know I got I just happened to go meet the family. Um, they were sweet, very nice people. Um, they were very happy people, as you would expect someone in the Bob happy Ross family to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that was my, and I got to ride a raptor, not the truck, like an actual raptor. Um. Wrestling. They were, they were taking pictures with raptors, and I got to go on one. And then we walked around the streets of Long Beach before we went to LA with a with a mini boombox, just blasting ten hours of the NWO theme song. <laughs> and I got to meet all these sorts of people and a giant pizza roll. And the wrestling. Yeah, right. Same. Uh, I, I've had some experiences just like that. You know, like <laughs> I'm wandering around backstage, and all of a sudden Pee Wee Herman's there, and you're like. Hi, you know. Fred Durst was at that one too. Uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin showed up to a show once. Uh, oh, on, uh, he on loves wrestling, huh? He loves wrestling, from what I hear. He does. He's a huge wrestling fan, uh, and he was like doing an episode for his podcast and showed up. And you know, we had Hornswoggle and um, Dick Justice there, and they were trying to steal Christmas, and so. Uh, Macaulay Culkin did his thing and he came in and, you know, bumped them and got the pin and wasn't involved in the match. But like, yeah. for some reason, that's how the cookie crumbled, I guess. Oh. Macaulay Culkin. 
it's pretty <laughs> funny how like uh you know the real world can affect the pro wrestling world sometimes in ways that you wouldn't expect you know you're talking about like you went to the the convention and like you're on the poster but you can't necessarily get in the door i did a uh, a show in san diego for um Rey mysterio i say I did i actually didn't uh because i showed up i it's like a nine hour drive from where i lived right uh my brother uh my buddy um one of my good brothers was the brother. that was on the show and he tells me like oh come with me you know, we can split the gas, you can get on the show, you can do a Ray match, you can meet him, get the connections for like Mexico and Crash and all that stuff. It'll be great. I'll, I'll get I'll get you over with them. And I'm like, great. Sure. Sounds good to me. Nine hours later, we go show up and set up the ring and everything. Uh, and I go to go have lunch. But it's in a casino that doesn't usually have wrestling. So when I come back for the start of the show to go like get changed and get ready for it and everything... Uh, I go up to the door that I left out of and there's security that's standing there with a list. Guess who wasn't actually booked on the show or on anybody's list? Oh, God. Well, I'm standing there like, brother, you see that ring over there? I built that. Please let me back inside. And uh, it just didn't end up happening. You know, the people that were on the show who knew that I was, like, they weren't picking up their phones because they were about to start the show. Yeah. Um, and so I got to spend the three-hour show in my car. Oh God! It was a wonderful experience. So, I love security make sure your paperwork is taken care of for those of you who are listening. <laughs> um, obviously, you've done some really cool things with kaiju. You know, you've kind of uh, maybe not said goodbye forever to like traditional wrestling, but you're kind of over it at this point. What kind yeah. of like goals do you still have for yourself? Is there anything that like you want to accomplish with kaiju? Is there anything? you know, like maybe an international tour or anything like that is what kind of um, things do you still want to accomplish? Definitely want to get to England next time we go. Um, Very cool. The last time we were there, uh, my daughter was just being born. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't feel okay. Like it was, it was no joke. 10 days after she was born, we were going to go to England. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah, just couldn't that's do exactly that. Exactly a great time to go on an international tour. No. Um, if we go, I want to go, I want to bring Kaiju to Japan. Mm -hmm. I want to go. No, not bring. I want to go with them when we go. Um, I, I yeah, I guess European Japan would be my biggest goal. But as far as anything in the close foreseeable future, I I think I've done pretty much what I want to do. It's pretty well, nice when you get to that point where you feel yeah. like you know you've, you you can just relax and enjoy uh, whatever mm -hmm. you create from then on. You don't really feel like you have to chase anything mm -hmm. anymore. Like there's no wrestler that I want to work with more than this other wrestler or a dream match that I want to have. It, if it happens, it happens. And like I've done, I've apparently done dream matches that I no idea that they were a dream match. I thought it was just two great wrestlers having a great wrestling match. Like honestly, um, like again, I'm not, I'm not about to name drop it, any of them, but like, you can find them online and you'll see me in the background just, and you can see it in my face at some point. Why am I a part of this? <laughs> like why this isn't someone who's talented on this? Why, why isn't me? Sure. It, not, not that I, you know, again, I'm just being self deprecating, but it, it's like, this is special. Like, and I noticed it at the time. Yeah. And then after it's done, I'm like, this wasn't that good. And then someone says it was great. So it's, kind of how wrestling goes you know yeah you exactly you feel like you're just there to do your job and then 
while you're living it, you're just like, oh my God, this is insane. And then after the fact, you're just eh, it's okay. yeah, like, it's I went through that phase of being brand new, like this is the greatest thing. Look, I can break down I'm this. I'm great. I'm great. And then I hit that point in my career where I am now, where it's, let's just go have fun. Sure. You don't want to tell me the finish, whatever. <laughs> you don't want me to be your ref, whatever. I'm the only ref here, brother. <laughs> yeah. like, well, well, that's for kind of like anything in traditional wrestling. You don't. Sure. I'm too tall for you. Okay. okay, that's fine. You want the short? You guy want to talk it? down to me right now? Don't do that. It's not nice. Don't be a jerk. I feel. Just. Uh, it's nice when you get to that point in your career where you, you know, you know who you are and what you bring to the table and you feel like you you know don't necessarily throw your weight around but like you you feel comfortable standing up yeah. for yourself because like if you don't like put your foot down and stand up for yourself and like command a little bit of respect like the boys are just gonna walk all over you and you're allowed to say no in wrestling yeah that's the greatest thing that people don't don't realize sometimes you can say no absolutely like, i made the mistake of not saying no to something i would normally say no to and it still haunts me like why did i do that like, I don't care if you're green or if you're a 30-year veteran like we know people are. Say no. You don't want to do it, don't do it. Speaking you know, of the 30-year uh, veterans and whatnot, are there any refs that, like, you look up to or, like, study or anything? Were there any refs that, like, really helped you out at the beginning of your career with, like, you know, learning the ropes? As far as taking me under their wing? Sure. Or no, I was, I was like just you know. that six-foot-five ref that was just an eyesore here and there. So I talked to people, but there was never really any like strong mentoring at first. Yeah. Um, when I got to meet Chris Levin, he helped me out a bunch with some, with some things, what a, um, gave me some decent advice. Uh, what a like selfless, like just incredibly generous person with, yeah. you know, like helping people get involved with certain places, helping people learn and grow yeah. and things like that. Like I give a hundred percent of any credit for my experience with game changer wrestling to Chris. I hit yeah. him up one day and was just like, Hey, can I do the LA show? And eventually it led me to Japan. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it is. Like he booked me on after seeing me one time, you know, gave me, gave me the advice he gave said like for an indie ref, you're one of the, you're one of the better ones I've seen. I'm like, Oh, cool. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. Sure. He started booking me on his, on his old women's show that he was doing for this group called Valkyrie that he had. And, you know, other doors started to open up again. Um, but again, it was my own choice to either walk through those doors and expand or take my time and just as stuff comes in type things, you know. Um, but yeah, no, he's definitely he definitely helped me out um, as I started, as I realized I needed something now. Mm -hmm. Like I hit my own, as far as I can go on my own, then that's when I needed that extra push of, Okay, now what do I do? How do I get better? Because I thought I was good, and then I was getting, then I was getting constructive criticism, and it was, oh, okay, there's still a lot more that I need to work on or can work on. Yeah, we definitely always, uh, we all have those like plateaus that we get to where we like think that we're doing well, and like we are doing well, but we're also like at a certain level that we could get to without outside influence. Like, yeah, exactly. Then the next, the next. It's all those experiences and like you said those doors that you have to walk through you never want to stop learning in anything you do absolutely um uh, charles robinson uh loves to say if you uh stop learning you stop living something like that yeah anyway. pretty much that i mean if that's if that's the paraphrased version that makes sense <laughs> um 
have you ever thought about you know you're kind of in like not necessarily the twilight years you're still very young and everything but like you've gone down (laughs) gone down quite a lot of roads at this point you've had a lot of experience you're you know working on like a, a solid decade in professional wrestling have you thought of imparting your knowledge to other people at any point or like you know, having a mentee come in and become, uh, you know, like your backup at Kaiju or anything like that. Have you ever um, given any thought to that? Not the mentee at Kaiju, but there's been, there's been, there's been refs around the New York area that I've, I don't want to say I mentored, but I gave advice that I think would be helpful. Sure. Um, again, like, like your social media presence, things like things of that matter, how to, how to act at a show, Mm-hmm. and things along that, those lines and what you can do in a match that would improve what you just did. Um, nothing like I never saw myself as an official mentor in that regard, but I would, I feel like I can, I can, it's a good question. Cause I don't really see myself as being someone who can teach the ropes of being a referee to someone sure. because I, in case I want my spot or I want a spot, <laughs> That little bastard isn't gonna get no. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I would love to. I would if anyone ever wants advice from me, I'm always willing to give it. The same way how I'm looking to get it from someone else. Yeah. Um, again, like you said, I, I you know ten years or whatever the amount of years is now. It's I I have I do have those stories to give. I do have that experience to share. Maybe so you know, like, anyone you know, in Zebra Talk you- wants to know something, I'll do what I can. Maybe I'm lighting that fire under you. That's like, oh, maybe I do need to get some students. <laughs> I, would, I would love to. If anyone ever wanted to reach out, I would be more than happy to impart what I've been to what I've been taught. You heard and it use it friend. in a way to where I didn't, and let them take it to that next step. Go to that. Go to that next first down. Like I'm on the fourth, and I'm on fourth and three right now. It's up to me if I want to go for it or if I want to just say, "F it, I'm done." Absolutely. And I'd be happy either way. We're uh, kind of winding down at this point. It's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, before we get out of here, I would like to give you the opportunity to uh, plug anything that you feel like you need to, any of your social media, kaijus, any wrestlers, shows, whatever you like that you think people maybe should give a little extra look at. Uh, the floor is yours. Oh, sweet. Hi, my name is Mark Dundee. I'm a Taurus. Um, I have a pro wrestling tea store at prowrestlingtees.com backslash kaiju big battle. And every t-shirt sale comes with a video message from someone. I wonder who it comes from. <laughs> Not me. Allegedly. Um, on social media, KBB underscore Dundee on Instagram, Mark Dundee on Facebook, kaiju.com, uh, YouTube, um, kaiju, uh, kaiju big battle on YouTube, on Twitch. Um, no shows coming up. But uh, more than happy, send me a match at Mark Dundee. I'll be more than happy to look at it and enjoy watching it. There's a guy who just posted a video on, on Zebra Talk with this yeah. wrestler CEO. He's yeah. my new favorite. <laughs> I'll go take a look at it. <laughs> He's my new favorite. <laughs> um, no, this is fun, Odie. Thanks for having me on this. Appreciate it. I'm glad I was your first one of these ever and that you woke up on time today to do this. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the uh, consummate professional, totally punctual. I'm very clean shaven and uh, look great for this. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, that, what, you, what the end button? End, end recording? <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate your time again. Uh, and fourth time's uh, a charm. <laughs> fourth time's a charm. <laughs> um, if you out there would like to support the Zebra Talk Fund or Zebra Talk in any way, uh, we do have a Pro Wrestling Tees store as well. It's prowrestlingtees.com backslash Zebra Talk. We have t-shirts, we have sweaters, we have hats. Mark hasn't bought any of the merch for himself, but you know, that's just because he's- I believe I bought a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does have a tracksuit coming. That's right, that's right. We do have tracksuits now. Um, we also have pins, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. It's all Zebra Talk 123. Uh, if you would like to be on the show, you would like to suggest someone to be on the show. If you would like to apply to the Zebra Talk Fund yourself and you're a referee, uh, please go ahead and shoot us an email at zebratalk123 at gmail. And yeah, thank you all for listening, watching, however you're taking this in. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed this and learned a little bit from uh, one of my favorite people in the business. So thank you very much for being here, Mark. No problem. Thanks for having me again. It's been fun.